Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. Ooh, welcome to episode 76 of the PHP Town Hall. Let's be frank. Talking <laughs> today with a really good friend from over the ocean. I haven't seen him in like five years because the last time I saw you was at the very first conference I ever went to. But we're joined today by... Uh, Frank DeJong, uh, de facto face of the PHP League. Frank, how's it going? Hey, everything's fine over here. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, it was Sunshine 2015, I think it was. I think so, yeah. It was definitely Sunshine PHP. Uh, let's see who else was there. I think Gary, Gary was Gary, there. Gary was there. It's the one I got called a hobbit at, so... Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that thing happens as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool, because I still look like a hobbit, so <laughs> nothing's new there. Of course, you got Ben. Do what? A handsome one. Oh, I'll pay you for that one later. <laughs> ben, how's it going? Oh, a good man moved into my apartment down here. Things are pretty stable. I have my, uh, my office set up, so hopefully my audio is better than last time. Oh, sorry, you're back in Alabama now. Georgia, but yeah. close. It's all the same thing down there. I can say I actually used to live there. Sure. Yeah, so thanks Good. for joining us, Frank. Happy birthday. <laughs> That's been a while. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to say that, but I didn't know if it would like just utterly piss you off. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm fine. It's like, uh, I, I do have to say there was a year where uh, I think not a week would go by without me being congratulated on every medium by people that I did not know because other people that do know me congratulated me on Twitter and other people were just being polite. So... <laughs> uh, then, it's like uh, a snowball. Like you get a couple and then you just get 20. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, I think it's Cishan, uh, uh Wire Hacksmith on Twitter. I'm almost oh. surprised he didn't just like write a little bot to just continually hit you yeah. on, uh, every day on a happy birthday. Case Young is definitely one of the people that uh, has often uh, pulled this prank on me. Yeah. I think him and Scoop are probably in the top tier of uh, birthday prankers. He's very much a troll. He's a very quiet troll. But like when he trolls people, you know it's going to be good. Oh yeah, he's like yeah. Uh, like apart from his trolling, he's just a uh, like a super like immensely big, tall but super friendly dude. So yeah. <laughs> so I mean, for Ben and I, that that's kind of hard because we're so short. So like having someone so tall like that is. For me, I think I'm going to be attacked. And then usually it's like the same thing with like Grumpy Programmer, like when he sees me and I'm like breaking my neck to look up to him and then he gives me a bear hug and I'm just like right in the middle of his chest and it's all 
gross. Yeah. That's, that's so I don't know what, short. So I don't know what my size is in, in, in feet, but like I'm uh, 185-ish. Uh, so uh, you probably know what that is in, uh, in whatever you... Uh, uh, <laughs> if I remember, I mean, if I remember correctly, I mean, you're, you're taller than me, but everyone is. Um, but I mean, like, you weren't, like, too tall. Like you were, I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't breaking my neck looking at you. That's true. Because uh, I like really care. I'm six six foot, close to one. Yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, it's not too bad. But like when I'm close to Case Young, that's that's like he's the kind of tall where you, if you haven't been around him for a bit, and then you see him again, you are reminded, like that he's so so damn tall. Or if you sit next to me, you're reminded how tall you are, too, because, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. So, anyways, to actually talk about some PHP stuff and give our listeners, our five listeners, something interesting. I think the big thing, um, so, Fly System 2.0 just came out, didn't it? Or it's coming very close to being uh, general availability? Yep. So, uh, we're in the beta stage right now. So uh, a while ago, I started releasing alphas to get some uh, feedback on the design, just the general gist of it. And that went pretty well. Uh, had a lot of interactions with the uh, uh, Laravel PHP people, especially uh, uh, Dries, who uh, gave a really thorough look and also uh, already uh, went ahead to make sure that um, Laravel is um, uh, Okay with the with the upgrades and uh, actually did the upgrades. Uh, it's not yet landed because it's not yet out, like in the final final uh, stage. Uh, but uh, that should be uh, done relatively soon. So I'm guessing somewhere this month, uh, 2.0.0 will hit. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty exciting. Uh, it's been a, a long time coming and. Uh, Put in a lot of hours, and uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be great. But uh, in the end, of course, uh, uh, the the download counter will uh, be the end all on this uh, success. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Well, I mean, so it's so integrated with Laravel. I mean, so when you started writing 2.0, when you're trying to make architectural changes and things like that, were you thinking just in terms of your own architecture and fly system, or were you also trying to keep in mind how these changes may affect uh, the Laravel integration with it or Symphony or something like that? Like, how, how does that kind of play out with such, like, I mean, a lot of your downloads are coming just straight from Laravel projects and stuff like yeah. that. So it's got to be a huge weight on your shoulders almost. So, um, in a way, like, I'm, I'm glad that I can contribute to uh, a bit of. Uh, the success there—it's uh, like I'm not saying that I'm a, a big part of the success of Laravel, but it's one of the features that I think people really like to use in Laravel, so that they can just uh, switch uh, switch uh, file systems uh, around just based on uh, configuration, really. Um, and uh, so it does really influence uh, how I look at things. Uh, but I think the general idea, idea of fly system hasn't changed. I think uh, 2.0 is mostly about some developer heuristics that uh, 
uh, or developer experience rather. So, and that's a topic that uh, the Laravel people are passionate about themselves. Uh, uh, so that's that's not something that I really would expect them to not like. Um, and all in all, it's just a, sort of a, in a way, a simplified version that's more streamlined. So I, I'm, I'm guessing they will have not a lot of objections with this. And they looked at it and I discussed this, uh, these things and, and tried to uh, communicate as early as possible with them also to get that feedback up front so that I don't release a version that they're like, yeah, let's, let's not go with this, right? It's like it's uh, definitely in the, in the best interest of the library if it's, uh, uh, if it's still adopted by Laravel, uh, for sure. What type of uh, user experience things did you look for? Or did you modify? So there were a couple of things that were uh, in the original fly system design uh, that I didn't really like. And also when you integrate against it, that is kind of cumbersome. So for example, if you, uh, if you want to write, um, you you can get a return value that says false and then it failed. But you could also get an exception uh, if something else failed. And so what would happen if you consume this library, uh, then you have to account for two unhappy paths. So that's a bit, um, yeah, people don't expect that. People want uh, things to be as simple as they, they can be. To have one mechanism through which you communicate errors is then better than having two. Uh, so that's one of the simplifications that we did. Some other parts uh, is just uh, um, the way that exceptions themselves were structured. There was not really a structure around it. They were not really related to the actions that you performed. So now every uh, action that you perform on a file system has a corresponding uh, exception. So if you are writing a file then, and it fails, then you get an unable to write file exception, which uh, is dead obvious. Like there's no uh, room for interpretation uh, anymore there, what, what's going on. And everybody can reason about this fairly easily. So that's, that's one of the things. Uh, the other one is directory listings. Uh, people uh, liked the fact that you had uh, directory listings that worked the same way, regardless of what uh, kind of uh, file system uh, that you use. But something that they didn't generally like was the array structure that was underneath it. So basically, you would just get plain arrays with keys. Uh, and sometimes you got something more and sometimes you got something less. And all the adapters had an array response for everything you did uh, for caching uh, uh, purposes something that was rarely used uh, effectively. Um, so there was an overkill in communication and, 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 and in some parts there was undercommunicated. Uh, so uh, we made sure that directory listings and stuff like that uh, now just have normal interfaces and normal uh, value objects that you get, uh, get back. So you get type safety, you get type hinting, you get IDE support. Uh, and with that, you get a lot of uh, uh, things on top of that as well. All the directory uh, listings are now based on generators, uh, which uh, if you uh, look at certain types of file systems, you actually paginate over certain responses. 
Uh, but now you just stream that back to when you consume it. While before, all those paginated responses would be formatted and then would be accumulated all in one place. You would consume a huge amount of memory and then you would be able to consume it. Uh, so now if you have a very large directory that you need to iterate over, it's just streaming. So uh, and that part is just uh, yeah, a lot better for, uh, for the um, user experience. And the last thing is that the API, especially for the writing side of things, if you want to write a file, it's heavily simplified now. You just have one method that says write uh, and one for stream that is uh, write stream. Uh, but there's no more update and there's no more puts uh, that basically said, well, I want to force things. Uh, previously, what, what happened was if you wrote something, uh, the file system would first see, hey, is it there? And if not, uh, then, uh, then it would be okay if it was a write and it would be rejected if it was an update. And the same mechanism would work reversed for, uh, for updates. So there was a lot of checking while these days we use a lot of cloud file systems and those kind of heuristics are mostly just uh, like file put contents. You just call the function and whether the file is there or not, it's overwritten. So these are really things that uh, uh, just make it a lot easier to reason about code because all of the calls from fly system are now deterministic in nature. So that's... Uh, if I didn't forget anything, I think that's that's pretty much the, the, the gist of it. That sounds like some really good additions or changes. So with that, how did you approach backwards compatibility with D1? Did you just drop it completely, or are you doing a certain kind of trade-off comparison there? So um, what's the... I, I, I thought to myself, what is the value of having a major version upgrade without really breaking with the things that annoyed me in the first place. Like I started working on Fly System in 2013. So I've been doing this for a couple of years now. And so these, <laughs> these, uh, these bugs just, uh, uh, yeah. Some things about the design just bugged me and you experience that over and over and over. And that's just something like, I'm the sole maintainer uh, of this. If you look at the contribution stats, like there's some patches here and there, but like 90 or 98% of all the commits are, are mine, I guess. So uh, it's also about uh, my developer happiness, I'd say. Uh, since, uh, you know, nobody's fixing FTP issues, uh, that's for sure. That's all on me. Uh, so <laughs> what? That sounds so exciting. <laughs> so I was, uh, in 2013, FTP was actually one of the first use cases that I created Fly System for. And I was naive enough to think that I could just write this library and then I'd never have to deal with FTP code ever again. Well, jokes on me because like the majority of my time is actually spent on uh, FTP because uh, 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 FTP is not really file transfer protocol. It's more like fudge that protocol. It's uh, there's nothing standard. It's not a it's not a protocol at all, huh? No, it's uh, it's like if you have like uh, I won't even bore you with ink, ink, uh, like with the, with the details, but it's like these days now I just run everything against Dockerized uh, 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 FTP servers. 
everything is integration tested, so I know stuff works. The only thing that I can't be really bothered with supporting anymore is FTP servers on Windows machines, which is something that even the old uh, thing would uh, would support. But like these days, like who even uses those anymore? Like, uh, uh, probably a bunch of people, but <laughs> I, I can't be bothered because there's no way for me to test all this stuff, right? I can I can deal with FTPD and uh, other types of uh, SFTP servers. There's a bunch of containers that does that does, uh, that I can use for testing that stuff. But Windows FTP, it's like, uh, yeah, I'd rather not. Well, I think like you know, uh, Joe Ferguson who maintains Homestead, I think he gets a lot of Windows resources gifted to him in some sort of fashion. So if you really wanted to, I'm sure there's a way for you to get all these I get like, Your face well, says no. My face but... says maybe if people pay. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, for this, for these kind of, kind of uh, things, like I'm always willing to do more, um, but either I have to help a bunch of people, but with the FTP Windows stuff, I know I'm just doing it for six developers somewhere who probably make a bunch of money off of it because dealing with legacy uh, stuff it doesn't is 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 quite well paid, right? So, uh, but then I'm fixing the stuff. So you know, cut me in. <laughs> I mean, so speaking of that, though, like. If there's one thing I've noticed about the Laravel community versus the rest of the PHP community is that they figured out really fast how to monetize the whole GitHub sponsor thing. Um, and also, like to a degree, they seem to be more receptive to when like community members write books or put out a course or something like that. Whereas like the greater PHP community doesn't seem to want to jump in as as no. fast and as as much into that kind of stuff. Like, have you had much luck with? Uh, with all of your open source stuff that you contribute and also with like the GitHub sponsors program, is that, has that worked out for you or are you just kind of letting it be? Uh, so first of all, I must say that I am absolutely impressed with uh, the Laravel P uh, PHP community and how they managed to pull this off. It's like, uh, also the people from uh, Tailwinds, like, wow, that's, that's, that's impressive. Um, it's uh, it's intimidating. <laughs> like I see, I see the stuff that they uh, they get, and I like. I have to be honest. Like sometimes I wonder, it's like, like I must be doing something wrong. I must ha not have a certain skill that they that they have. Uh, and they're like, that's fine too, right? I'm, I'm 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 good at certain things, and too bad they're not commercially interesting. Uh, but. Uh, uh, like for myself, I've got, uh, uh, well, Taylor sponsors me uh, via GitHub sponsors. So that's, uh, that's awesome. The people from JetBrains uh, sponsor me as well. Uh, I know uh, some, uh, some cool people like Erica Heidi uh, sponsor me as well. So that's also pretty cool. Uh, but uh, I think I've got like uh, 20 sponsors. Uh, and if you live in the Netherlands, then pretty much 52% of everything you get uh, from uh, GitHub sponsors goes to the government. So the government, the Dutch government makes more out of GitHub sponsors than I do. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I bet they like the free money. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's like I, I appreciate it very much. And uh, like I always make a habit of thanking everybody who starts uh, supporting me personally because I do value it uh, a lot. Uh, but it's not like I make, can make a living out of this or even work less because it's, it's just not comparable. I mean, I mean, the dream is get enough money so you don't have to like have a paid job and just do open source software. Or maybe that's my dream. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of fun. Um, I would seeing, love Yeah, it'd be pretty freaking cool. Like, I mean, and like, like you said, like seeing the Tailwind project just take off like it did. And same thing like with Caleb Porzio's stuff. Um, the way he's managed to monetize it so fast is just truly really cool. But I'm with you. Like, I see their stuff and I see what they're doing. And I, at the same time, I'm just like, I must be missing that gene or that that uh, neuron in my brain because all my ideas, I'm like, oh, that's never going to work. It's never gonna, like, I can't figure out how that works. Like, someone should teach a master class on how to come up with uh, worthwhile um, monetized products. There's yeah. an idea. So I'm going to take that. Ben, you do it. What I'm guessing uh, is I think that the key works. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Frank. I'm guessing we need a course in not shutting down our own ideas, maybe. <laughs> that might be it. I mean, at the same time, though, like, as, as you said earlier, you know, like, there's only so many hours in the day, and I have a dog that I have to play with, and there's tons of cookies I need to eat and bikes to ride. And so at the end of the day, it's like, well, I mean, I don't want to look at a computer for 23 hours, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I still look at it a fair amount of time, but, you know. Right, I mean, like it's it's also how I I troll other people is by being on the computer. If I, if I'm not on the computer, I'm not trolling, and you know my motto is always be trolling. So yeah, work on too, that. Um, like, with a lot of things, once I try to make money off it, I don't enjoy it the same way. So like, if I'm doing open source for fun, it's almost better to not try to monetize it because then it feels like a job. Yeah. Well, so like I had a Patreon before, and when things get rough around open source because you know uh, like open source is fun and gratifying but it's also can also be very frustrating and in a weird way sort of lonely where you're just doing everything by yourself and uh, like from a feedback loop perspective uh it's very hard to uh get into a feedback loop with open source of people who enjoy your stuff. So I can like I will gaze at my downloads counter and and that's like it's like a little trigger for dopamine. But it's like that's a self-induced thing and I'm really aware of that. Uh, and you know that people generally have negative trigger bias. Uh, so people who will be negatively impacted by something will generally uh, be a lot more likely to reach out to you and give you shit on the internet and uh, then people will reach out to you and uh, say thank you and uh, so i'm very lucky that that's uh, like um a lot of the issues that i close um i close them by mostly by educating the people around how they should view a problem and how they should approach it and I think that's really gratifying because they mostly walk away with having learned something and they thank me for it. So that's that's quite nice. But yeah, sometimes you also don't have the like mental capacity or the mental space uh, to uh, 
to get into that mindset where you uh, want to uh, help somebody out necessarily. Yeah, it's like with my open source work, sometimes I'll just not look at it for a week or two, right? And I, I feel a little guilt with that, but I don't feel nearly the same amount of guilt I would feel if that was something I was being paid for. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and no, I've... Uh, <laughs> Like uh, for like I somewhere last year I think I for like a half a year or so I only did the bare minimum uh, for fly system and all of my open source uh, stuff and then uh, I had a Patreon but yeah then I I I quit it for that reason I was like yeah I'm I'm done with it because you know I would even get you know. People who weren't supporting me say, well, you're getting paid for it. Now you need to do the work. And it's like, what? Yeah. Entitled pricks. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's definitely true, though. You know, I mean, everyone wants the work that you or any other source maintainer is going to produce. But then when you mention, like, hey, it'd be nice to have a coffee or a beer, you know, they manage to hide or, oh, yeah. you know, just disappear from the face of the earth. Um, and speaking of things disappearing from the earth, the other thing that we want to talk about was um, how you've kind of became the de facto face of the PHP league. Because kind of like what you said a little bit ago, it kind of goes through like ebbs and flows where like things are very um, kind of out in the open and being worked on. Like you see like fly systems being worked on, fractal whenever I can not be lazy and um, Corvin tells me to do things. Um, but like, you know, Phil started a project Phil did Phil things. Phil is now trying to take it, trying to save the world. Um, Godspeed to him. But now, like, when I think of the PHP League, like, you seem to be the most active maintainer. You seem to be the one that's that's really kind of out there. Common Mark is another big one, but it's, it's really you. Like, do you kind of get that sense of, like, being a leader of the league? Or is it just, like, was that something you kind of naturally stepped into? Or is it just because all the other projects are kind of at like a good stopping point and yours just can keep being um, updated over time. Yeah, so we've had a couple projects that uh, changed uh, uh, maintainers. Uh, so I often help the transition from one maintainer to another. Uh, and then after a while, um, we formed sort of internally with a leadership team. And uh, so that manages this. And I think I'm the only one active in the leadership team as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just do the work. Uh, I guess, and that's uh, by by just doing the work and just always being there to do that stuff. You sort of naturally grow into that position where uh, people view it that way. I don't think it's necessarily true that uh, like uh, like I can I can uh, empathize with the idea that people. Uh, view me maybe as the de facto face of the league, um, but yeah, it's um, yeah. No, I can I can definitely see uh, see people thinking that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, like, is for people who don't know, like, what what is the process for the league to take over a package? Like, if, if let's like, I think um, what was it? Carbon was a big one a couple years ago when um, Brian Nesbot kind of stepped back, and there's kind of like a lurch of like what's going to happen to this library that so many projects rely on? Like it, how, how would one go about getting a package uh, into the league's maintainership? So uh, to get your package into the leads, uh, we were not really 
like uh, there's not an application form for hey i want my package in the lead although i do get a fair amount of requests of people that basically want to mooch off the reputation that the, the league has and i can get like i can get behind that idea but yeah we're not going to go for that it's not some free publicity platform uh, so we've uh, we've basically come to uh, uh, terms with uh, keeping it more or less the same as it is now in terms of packages. Um, if there are high-profile packages that uh, are looking to transfer uh, maintenance, uh, then we can accommodate that. We've got a solid track record in uh, adopting uh, packages, making sure that we uh, have a... Uh, not so super formal, but somewhat informal process around making sure that uh, we get a maintainer involved that's actually responsible. Uh, so we don't do this stuff overnight. That's one. If people want to maintain and they have no contribution record, yeah, that's not going to fly. So people need to uh, uh, work on it uh, uh, for the time being. Um, if uh, the original maintainer is not uh, there anymore to 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 maintain it. Uh, I will even make sure that I do the code reviews. I will do the releases. I will do the uh, security uh, reviews. I will do the whole lot uh, to give people the time to build up a track record. And so once that track record is built and people have shown that they are uh, committed enough and have enough ethics in uh, open source. And uh, then they can uh, then they can join and uh, they can maintain one of the projects. So uh, yeah, so, like again, not really a official process, but uh, and it's basically a description of how I am winging it in the best way I think I can. It is good that you require people to be contributors first, right? Because that's one mistake personally I've made, Ethan. Right? Like, oh, I'd love to maintain this, and then month in, I haven't done anything with it. And I'm like, oh, I need to find a new maintainer already. Yeah. Well, it's not the first time a project has uh, like tipped over and burned because of that, right? Like uh, There have been a number of packages that uh, switch maintainers, somebody lost interest, and then now it's orphaned. And uh, effectively, through the absence of somebody, uh, it's taken the project hostile. And of course, we say in open source, well, you can always fork it, but like, how many times do you see that go successfully, especially in the PHP world? It's uh, slim to none, so I don't think it's realistic. Uh, so uh, I do get it because uh, you know, open source burnout is a real thing, and um, uh, like, you've got the weight of your uh, of the world on your shoulders when you maintain a package like that, uh, and uh, almost uh, no support system. Uh, so when people see an easy way out, they take it. And uh, to be frank, I can't blame anybody for that because, like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, because uh, open source is not is not a uh, it's not an easy world uh, to to operate in. And I think uh, a lot of people tend to forget that. It's like uh, like people. Often look at people like uh, Taylor Rothwell and uh, 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 Fabian, and they they go like uh, like they look at tiny incidents of how they responded in a certain uh, a certain on a certain issue or if they lashed out on Twitter one time, and then they just focus on that one incident, but they don't see like the shitstorm that they have to endure 
every day and then like and then still wake up the next day and say well i'm gonna i'm gonna work to support these people it's like it's like people people forget that so easily but it's like i never i never knew as well right you just have to sort of trust the people who go through this and uh, and trust their and listen to their experiences and then trust it basically i mean i think you bring a good point there with like how one little interaction on twitter or something like that can just completely change how people look at the open source maintainers i mean especially the laravel community i mean so we forgot to tell you basically for 45 minutes was shit all over laravel and then i go back to writing laravel code um for my day job so we'll send those guidelines up next time but you know like everyone loves to find like that one hot take from taylor and blow it completely out of proportion and then two days later, basically bitch and ask about where a feature that they've been wanting forever and ever and ever is. And, you know, sometimes I love his response of like, are you going to write it? No. Well, then, you know, it's on to you. If you want it, you can write it. And then we can consider bringing it in kind of thing. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people, like you said, think open source maintaining is really cool until you realize that, like, you're going to spend a Saturday writing code. You're going to spend a Sunday writing code. You're going to spend a Friday night writing code. Um, you know, you're gonna go out with friends and you're gonna get message like, hey, there's a bug in your package. And it's like, well, you gotta go take care of it. So it's not as glamorous as it is, but it is worthwhile as long as you can be involved with the right people. Um, especially like someone like or not someone, but like a group like the league where you have a ton of great maintainers and developers who are there to help each other out versus, you know, kill each other. Yeah. So yeah, in a way, uh, we're uh, <laughs> uh, open source maintainers, not so anonymous. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's like it's a it's sort of a support group in itself. Uh, so uh, yeah, like I definitely have some uh, some sometimes when uh, when I when an issue is opened and it's like. Uh, why is this bug not fixed? This is not professional. This is stupid software, and you did a terrible job. Yeah, you know, and sometimes even like you, you don't want to to rage back in public because that also makes you look bad, and people will uh, not appreciate you for that. Also, like I generally just want to be a nice person. So, um, but then yeah, like uh, I can rant to friends i know uh, like uh, uh ross tuck is a buddy of mine and i often like uh send him issues and like hey am i an idiot here or is this person being a total asshole and then uh, he will give me the sort of uh, response thermometer first and then uh, i will respond after <laughs> i remember there's a thing like I, I did like a the company I worked for a while ago. Sebastian Bergman was one of the contractors we'd bring in, and I remember he was complaining. Well, he wasn't complaining; he was just venting to um, Arna or Stefan, one of them, about issues on GitHub about like being like pointless issues. And he's like, "Oh wait, this one's from Ben Ramsey, so I know it's at least somewhat legitimate." And it's like you know, like I think like if you open an issue on Fractal or if Ben open an issue on Fractal, I'll be like, "Well, that's a legitimate issue," but like when other people do it. You know, I could kind of do the same thing. Like I'll send it to Corvin or I'll send it to someone else to be like, is this like a thing or am I missing it? Or are they just not 
we're at using the software the intended way. So it, it's good you have that kind of uh, soundboard as well. Yeah. But it's also like the most important thing that you need to have for fixing an issue is understanding of what the problem is. Like, uh, if you look at all the issues being opened on open source uh, uh, projects, the majority is pointing at code saying this should do something else. And that is then a solution to an issue that they don't explain. So if you have to maintain something, and you have to have ownership over this code afterwards, if you do not know what kind of use case you are supporting, then you cannot effectively maintain it because you can't, you can't act responsibly in accordance with that use case anymore. So it's like, uh, maybe it's a little philosophical, but uh, in terms of responsible ownership over these public domain uh, things, uh, you kind of need to have that sort of mindset. Uh, it, it's not just code. It's a gazillion use cases that you're supporting. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes total sense. I was just looking on the fly system repo. So you only have it down to one issue, which I have to say is pretty impressive for a project with 119 million downloads. I mean, how hard was it to get down to just one open issue after seven years of... Um, Active work on this project. So uh, that's the way well, to do it. Sorry, just select all, delete, move on. Yeah, I think uh, didn't Taylor do that one? Like, I mean, sometimes you should. Like, I do it with my email every once in a while. I just delete everything, and then if it's important, people will email me back. If it's not, then it is what it is. I, I guess. I guess we should have a term for that, and if. If I were to coordinate, coordinate, I would call it like GitHub issue bankruptcy because, yeah, you know, that's pretty good. We should make that a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, but, can, uh, you can do that with your bills too, Matt. <laughs> My what? Your bills. No, I'm busy that day. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. Um, so I am pretty liberate at closing if I think it's closed. Like for the majority of issues that remain open, it's people just not responding. And so um, I don't always respond uh, timely. Uh, not always because, you know, there's only, only so many hours in the day. But I will leave a comment, leave it open with questions. And then if a month goes by and there's no response, then I guess it was not an issue because most of the time, that's the case. And often uh, when, I, uh, when I get an issue and I know what's the problem, the problem is on the other end of the, <laughs> of the interaction, then I will supply them the solution and close the issue. And often uh, I will make sure that uh, I amend the docs to also explain these kind of cases. So for example, there's a section on deterministic programming um, in, uh, like, uh, is that here? I'm trying to look it up as we go. Yeah, deterministic code. There's a section uh, in the docs about deterministic code because uh, in a lot of cases, people were using it in a weird way. And I was like, okay, you need to understand this concept. And if you do, then I will probably get less support. So I do support-driven documentation creation. I guess that should also be a thing. I think that, that should really be the term you come up with is support-driven documentation since 
that is such a a thing that lacks because yeah, like no one ever updates their docs, but they always like patch issues, and then when the code is out there, then they're like, well, we fixed it, but we never updated our docs, which is which is such a problem. Um, but I think yeah, and then the other thing they have going for you too is event sauce. Is that um, which I know like kind of took took Twitter by storm last year. How's how is that going? So um, in terms of by storm, in comparison to everything uh, in relation, like uh, with even, uh, fly system, it does not compare. Like it's got a little bit more than sixty thousand downloads right now. I'm working on v one. Dot o dot o, which is also due to come out in the next, uh, I think, two months, and maybe sooner because I'm using it more at work right now. Uh, so, um, uh, but the audience is a lot, like the the target audience is a lot smaller. Uh, I do think that uh, the more we go into uh, serious applications, uh, the more event sourcing itself as a technique will become more relevant to PHP at large. But I think the rest of the space where PHP is uh, dominating uh, far exceeds that. So uh, the success of Fly System has always uh, baffled me uh, because, like, I do some calculations and, like, uh, out of every package ever downloaded one in 140 was written by me and the bulk of that is fly system so uh, it, it 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 just can't compare but also like my my reference is pretty skewed right other people would maybe already uh, if they've got steady amount of downloads um, that's uh, go to uh, uh, 60k they would be uh, over the moon and uh, 60k is like what a day's worth of fly system maybe uh, so, <laughs> so yeah this oh no wait that's uh, a day's worth is, is uh, uh, 200,000 for fly system so every every day i do more fly system downloads than all of event sauce combined Everything. i hate to say it i think some of those fly system downloads are from when i have an idea and i compose or install Laravel. And then the project just dies. So I'm definitely inflating your numbers. Is the point I'm trying to make? How how many of those uh, uh, two hundred thousand a day do you think you are? Then we know how many ideas a day you have. <laughs> Probably more than I want to let on because none of those ideas come to fruition. Because I just once I get going, I'm like, yeah, this is not a good idea. Yeah. Now with uh, with um, event sauce. I like event sauce is I think real the best code in open source PHP lands that I've written. Uh, it is the tiniest thing and it's super powerful, it's super flexible. Um, and to people that are working in the space, I get a lot of positive feedback. Uh, so I've also discussed it with other event sourcing framework maintainers and. Um, uh, they seem to really like uh, the design. Um, I had a lot of help from uh, people like uh, Marijn Eisenfeld and uh, Ross Tuck to challenge uh, the, some of these design uh, decisions that uh, that I made. And uh, yeah, this is it is 
almost done. I'm already working on V1, but then it's sort of complete. Um, it's got everything it needs. It would be cool if there was a little more usage, but uh, I'm, I'm happy with, uh, with the way that's progressing. And if anything, I, I wasn't expecting to hit the lottery and, and, and downloads uh, twice. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's also just really fun to work with. Like event sourcing is such a fun way to model software. And so uh, uh, when I did it at first, uh, first I didn't understand it at all. And then I, um, I worked together with some very bright minds who, uh, uh, that I just trusted for a while that the things that they told me to do was smart. And then you experience it for a while, and then you're like, oh, wow, this, like, it feels like cheating now. It's like uh, the other stuff, like doing CRUD based complex process modeling is just so incredibly difficult. And then you do it in event sourcing, and it's just, it feels like you're cheating life. So, yeah, I can only, only recommend uh, putting that tool in your toolbox. Nice. Have you debated bringing event source into the league, or is it not a good fit because it's not just a library? Yeah. Um, so I no, I like I, I never really considered it. Uh, it. It always felt to me like it's a very different kind of uh, library. So uh, the PHP league seems to be very much uh utility based it's stuff that you use and not stuff that uh shapes you or uh in any way it's 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 not uh framework esque uh, as one might say not that not that event source is that but it's really like a, a, a like a very different non mainstream school of thought uh so uh it felt like uh, having its own space in the world was would be a better fit, and also like I like uh, creating a project with a little bit of branding. Like I did the fly system uh, stuff uh, in a different uh, uh, style as I did the normal uh, PHP league stuff as well. I created a little logo and uh, did the same for event sauce. Uh, one of the first sketches was actually that thing but then on a sort of cartoon style ketchup bottle uh, with event sauce uh, there it's, uh, like i'm not i'm not good enough of a designer to pull that off although my uh, degree suggests otherwise uh, <laughs> that's actually a degree for uh, multimedia design which i uh, suck at so it's better for me to write code well as you passed right yeah, definitely. It's, uh, oh yeah, that's been a while. It's like 10 years back since I've done that. But like, I, I think it's gratifying to create these little logos because, you know, I think uh, in a way, like um, Fly System has a bit of a punny name. Event Sauce has a bit of a punny name. Like, I am a huge fan of like, like my, uh, the people around me fear the, the day that I, become a dad because then my dad joke uh, uh, amounts will just go through the roof. So, uh, You're like, I've been practicing for this for years. 
it's like the if the if my girlfriend comes to me uh, and says uh, uh, <laughs> i i'm pregnant <laughs> uh, <laughs> well you know the joke <laughs> i'm not even gonna repeat it <laughs> well my response will be hi pregnant i'm dead so <laughs> Well, yeah. on that note, I think we should end this. <laughs> We're out. Uh, seriously, well, no, thank, I mean, thank you so much, Frank. Yeah, thank yeah. you. This has been a great <laughs> chat. Really appreciate yeah. learning about your thinking yeah. and all this. Yeah, no worries. Uh, always happy. Yeah. It's great catching up with you. Yeah, great to uh, catch up with you too. And uh, it was really nice chatting to you. Uh, to so, uh, so real quick before we go, uh, if people don't know where to find you online, Frank, where can they where can they find you at? Yeah, so uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter as at uh, Frank de Jonge, which is uh, do you have show notes or something like that? Because link might be easier than people figuring out how to spell de Jonge. Uh, but uh, oh, so that's how you say it. We just take a second to appreciate how bad Matt fucked up your name. <laughs> I've I've made a made a, a habit not to call people out on it anymore. Like I've been called the Jonge, the Jungie, like everything in between. Like All right, to be fair, I was not that bad. That's that's not very that bad. So but okay, yeah. but I definitely fucked it up. <laughs> oh yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> no, we'll throw it in. The, I know how to spell. I, we'll throw it in the show notes. Um, so that way people have questions or anything like that they know how to find you i think you have like what five thousand million twitter followers or something so i think not, everyone knows i think it's like eight k i mean just a cool eight thousand cool yeah cool awesome thank uh thanks so much frank we appreciate it we'll catch you later yeah see you all right bye yeah.